This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. Well, as most of you know, um, I grew up in Indiana. I am a Hoosier by birth, um, huge Colts fan. Pacers frustrate me, uh, if you know basketball at all. But anyway, Cambridge City is a town of about 3,000, um, and it is about 50 miles uh, due east of Indianapolis. Uh, there's not a whole lot in Cambridge City. We have more than one stoplight, though, so we're not one of those towns. Um, but if you actually hop on I-76 West down in Harrisburg, hit the turnpike and follow it over and then uh, jump onto I-70 and just follow that straight west, you'll go right next to the um, McDonald's that I worked at through high school and college. Um, it was a job. I didn't exactly McLove it. Um, but Cambridge actually sits along what many call, um, it used to be called the Old National Road. Some of you history, history people probably know it. But it is the, the highway, it's US 40. It was created in 1926 as a, as a highway. Uh, and at one time you could take it from San Francisco to Atlantic City. But I don't think it goes straight across anymore. I think out west it, it, they did something different with it. Um, but it was actually a road before it was a road. I think it was one that people used to use um, way back in early days to cut through there. But um, every year Cambridge does what they call the Canal Days Festival. Um, obviously there was a canal at some point in time in Cambridge City, as there were a lot out in that area. But um, it was a time – it was such a fun time when I was a kid. Like we'd ride our bikes through town and there was all kinds of people there and, and the, you know, the booths and all of that stuff. It's – like most festivals, it's kind of it's dwindled now. It's not nearly as populous. I haven't been to it in years, uh, but my dad said it's really not like it used to be. But it would always culminate on uh, Sunday with a huge parade. Um, and for a few years, my mom actually organized the parade and she did an amazing job. But a lot of it involved calling people on the phone and asking if they wanted to be in the parade. And my mom loved the telephone. Um, she really did. And um, it, so it always culminated in this parade. And there were trucks and marching bands and, and old cars and, and just a typical parade, you know, a big parade. Um, for a few years, the parade was actually uh, – it, it was interesting. Our Boy Scouts actually helped – when my mom ran it, we actually helped organize it. I think they did it a few years after too. Uh, so we'd ride our bikes around the, the setup route, and you know we were sticking stakes in the ground and painting numbers in the ground and all that, helping set people up. Um, I actually was in the parade a few times too as I got older. Um, I was in it with our marching band, high school marching band. Uh, I think our baseball teams walked in it a couple of times. And when I was five – I was the junior king of Canal Days and got to ride on the float with a girl. <laughs> Tom, when you got it, you got it, right? <laughs> but um, it was funny because, because with, with, I, it never happened, though, in my experiences. Nobody ever stopped and started shouting, Hosanna, hi, Hosanna. As nobody started waving, you know, there were no waving of palms and, you know, nobody put their coats down for us to walk on. When I picture... 
It used to be when I would picture the Jesus entering Jerusalem, that's what I pictured. I pictured this my experience. I pictured the parade, maybe minus, you know, minus the cars and the marching bands. But I pictured this huge throng of people lining the streets into Jerusalem. Is that is that what some of you pictured? Is that kind of the picture? This huge, huge parade. Um the truth of the matter is the scene was all probably not like we envisioned, and it was probably a little strange to bystanders. Um, our scene actually starts with Jesus sending two disciples down and says, I want you to go ahead of us and get this. Basically, it's a colt. It's a donkey that's never been ridden. Uh, it was young. And so he goes, I want you to go get this. And if they ask you why, I want you to say the Lord needs it. And so they go there and they start to take it. And they're like, well, why are you taking our, our colt? They're like, the Lord needs it. And we don't see any more discussion. So apparently they're like, oh, OK, um, I wouldn't recommend trying this. Um, hey, I need your Mustang. The Lord needs it. I don't think that would go very far. It reminds me of those old cop movies when they cop. I need your car. Get out. You know, they hold their badge up and they take the car away and the person's just sort of left standing there in the middle of the street. But anyway, the Lord needs it. Um, but what's interesting is it's it was common for military leaders to parade through conquered towns riding on horses. I mean, we, we hear stories of kings actually coming back from the war that would do that, but it was also common for them to do it to their own cities that they'd conquered. They'd come through, you know, walking through rubble and stuff, sort of like looking down over the people like, you know, we conquered you. I am, you know, victorious over your people. Um, but they would ride on a horse which had all the armor on it or they'd be in a chariot, you know, surrounded by soldiers. So all of a sudden, for this, so this scene of Jesus riding in on a, on a colt, on a donkey, had to have been kind of odd. But it happened for a couple of reasons. One, it fulfilled the prophecy found in Zechariah 9.9. It reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. But second, it also typified Jesus' ministry of humility and even that gentleness that we just read. It, it, it wasn't speaking to wealth or power like the kings riding in on their horses with their big entourage, but it spoke of humbleness and servanthood. I mean, what better way to speak to servanthood than ride in on a donkey, an animal that's known for, for burden and it's known for work and labor? So Jesus was sending this message of, of I'm the fulfillment of prophecy, but also this message of I don't come and, you know, I, I come as a king, but I don't come with war. I come in peace. We continue on in verse 35 that we begin to see that as, as they brought it to Jesus, they put their coats on and he started to ride it into town. All of a sudden we see the people like they take off their cloaks and they start to spread them on the ground in front of them. And, you know, they grab palm branches from the trees and they started to wave the palm branches and then we see them start to sing, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, as I mentioned, as like many of you, I used to picture this huge parade. I pictured people coming out and lining the streets when they heard the commotion. Um, that's what I pictured growing up. But then I noticed something in verse 37 that says the whole crowd of disciples the whole crowd of disciples now we know that that there could have been others that maybe weren't disciples that were watching and it may have just been only the disciples were singing but i always envision this parade scene with everybody with people coming out of their homes with streets just lined with people praising as jesus as jesus rode into town 
But I think the whole crowd of disciples was made up of all of these people that used to follow. Remember when Jesus would walk around, there was crowds following him. So he always had to try to get away or he'd go out on a boat or go across the lake. And even then they'd follow him around the Sea of Galilee because they could kind of spot him. So they'd all go around and meet him on the other side. I think what this was, is this was a crowd of all the people that were following Jesus. And I think it was sort of caught up in the moment. It was this sort of celebration, this, this emotional response, this impromptu scene with cloaks and palms torn off the trees, which were nearby. I think it was an impromptu scene. So taking this into account with Jesus sort of sitting on the side, you know, side sitting on a donkey, I think this had to be quite the spectacle. If you picture it, not a, you know, an organized parade, but this impromptu thing. I mean, could you imagine what this had to have looked like to those that weren't disciples or people that were home eating dinner or just in their houses? And all of a sudden they hear this commotion and they go out like, what in the world is going on out here? Think about how many times you've asked what's going on when you've heard a noise or a siren. Those of you that are on the Facebook chatter group, the mountaintop chatter group, some of you are on social media, not all of you. Um, every time there is anything like uh, buildings tore down. Um, the police siren, um, anything, it's posted. What's going on? What's happening? Where's going in there? What are we? Just people are just don't know what's going on. They have to know. And so you imagine people in this situation, all of a sudden, like, hey, what's going on? What's this commotion? What's who's that guy? You know, people who didn't know what was going on. But it also makes me wonder if these people were caught up in this emotion. If the disciples, I mean, you had the twelve. But what about the disciples that were kind of friends, disciples that kind of just sort of just hung out in the back? Um, when I was in Israel years ago, I had the chance to go to um, the Great Wall on the Sabbath. And what happens is they all come down. Um, the Jews come down uh, and parade towards the wall on, on the Sabbath. There's a big, huge procession. And in the front are the very Orthodox Jews. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be wearing the shawls and everything. And then I noticed as the parade was coming down towards the back were the stragglers, which was usually like the teenagers and the kids. And they're all like bumping into each other and, you know, like just kind of they were kind of a part of this. But like a typical teenager or a kid would be, you know, this is fun, but not really understanding and grasping. And I have a feeling there are probably people that are a part of this that were just caught up in the emotion like, oh, they're doing it. So I'm going to do it, too. But that makes me wonder how many people were there that were caught up in the emotion were the same ones that were caught up in the emotion that following Friday. How many people were there singing along, Hosanna, hi, Hosannas, and all of this, were the same ones on that Friday that were shouting, crucify him! Makes me wonder. Now before I move on, I actually want to jump back a bit. Um, we're going to jump back to what precedes this passage today. Because whenever the passage begins with a statement that builds on the previous statement, we always have to go back and see, all right, what got us to this point? So whenever you see the therefore, remember, what's the therefore, therefore? Um, I don't think that's the word that's used today, but, but it's, basically it does build on this. And prior to our scene today, Jesus is telling a parable of the ten minas. And a mina is um, three months worth of work, of wages. And the parable goes that a nobleman went to another place. He was going to make himself king of this other land. And as he leaves, he basically tells his servants, um, I'm going to give you this money and I want you to put it to work. So he gives each of them these 10 minas and he leaves. And then sometime later, he comes back and he asks the, 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 the people he gave the money to, he asks his servants, he's like, what did you do with the money? 
And, you know, and a couple of them come up that they, you know, they'd made more money, they invested it and they'd done good things with it. And then there's the final one. And the final one's like, well, I know what kind of a person you are, so I buried it in the ground so I didn't lose any of it. And he ends up taking his away from him because he didn't invest it. He hid it. This parable is actually speaks to Jesus himself. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be going off to be king. I'm going to go to heaven. And one day I'm going to come back and I'm going to judge you based upon what you've done with what I've given you. What he has given us is the gospel, the good news that he left to the people. And he finishes his parable. The last passage we see before today's verse is kind of harsh. It says, he replied, I tell you to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Not very Jesus-y. <laughs> but at first glance, we see we actually look at this and we're like, you know, we try to judge it based on a worldly view. Like we're talking riches and possessions. So he's saying, well, wait, people who have more is going to get more and people that don't have any. That's very anti. That's not what we read. You know, we read, you know, in the Beatitudes. That's, that's the opposite. But Jesus is speaking to the eternal. That's where he is talking about the gospel. His message of good news for all people by following the parable with this statement, Jesus is telling his followers, us included, go do something with this message I have given you. This message I have given you, go and invest it in other people. Go and invest it in the world. Go multiply it. What are you doing with the gospel message today? Are you sharing it with others or are you keeping it hidden? Remember the old song we used to sing in Sunday school, This Little Light of Mine? I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Sharing the gospel, though, doesn't have to mean standing on the street corner with a megaphone. It doesn't mean going up to every person. I know people that do this. It doesn't mean going up to every person you know and saying, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Or, or, or walking up to people and saying, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Uh, even standing on the street with a sign. Those things are off-putting. It means... Living like Jesus in a world that doesn't know him. It means giving others a little bit of Jesus in how you act and interact with them. It means not being ashamed of the faith that you have. Going back to our scene today of the entry into Jerusalem, we read the reaction of the Pharisees and we see Jesus' response. It says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, we don't know if the Pharisees' response was because they thought Jesus being praised was blasphemy. We also don't know if maybe it was because there was this fear that the Romans were going to hear the commotion and think, oh my gosh, this, this uprising has started and they were going to come down on them with a heavy hand. All we know is that Jesus rebukes them and say, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Rock music. <laughs> I think all of us at some point in time have witnessed something in creation that made us said, wow. I think all of us have witnessed a, a sunrise or a sunset or, or ocean waves or snow-covered mountains that said, wow, look at the glory of God. You can see God in creation. 
Because creation speaks to the glory of God. But creation shouldn't be doing our job for us. How we live and interact with others, how we treat people around us, even on social media or at the grocery store, being gracious and humble, being friendly and courteous. It's interesting. I, I notice we live in a world now that when somebody is nice to you or goes above and beyond, we're surprised by it. Remember back in the day that it was more like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how rude they are. Now it's like, oh, they were so nice. That's the world we live in. It's a different world than it used to be. So imagine the difference that you could make if you are that light. Imagine the difference you could make if you go on a Sunday morning after church and tip your waitress a little extra because waitresses and waiters hate working Sundays because Christians are terrible tippers. I'm not kidding. It, it's, it's actually a thing. People know this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they gave that church that morning and they thought that was enough. But my, my guess is they probably didn't give a church either. But that's just my. But be different. Be changed, be, be a, fresh, a breath of fresh air, just be something, be a light in a dark world. Because see, these are all the ways we share the gospel, by believing in Jesus and not being a jerk. And there are a lot of Christians that are jerks out there. There really are. But it's more important that we live what we say we believe. That we read, as I talked a few weeks ago, the red letters, the stuff that Jesus told us. And it's important that we live not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is, was and still is, good news. That's what gospel means. It means good news. And it's not good news just for the people that look like us, act like us, worship like us. It's not just for the people whose skin looks like us. It's not for the people who, who, who love just like we love. God's gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news for all people. And we need to be sharing that good news with the world around us. Let us pray. So God, we just thank you for this good news. We ask that you would help us to go into the world and share it with everyone. We ask this in your name. Amen.